Whenever there was genuine needs, his heart was to try and help in those areas. Interestingly, there were times when he had to turn away and continue to do what he was doing. So he was always disappointing people, Jesus was. But if you read the Gospels and read it simply, you'll notice that there were people who were in need. For example, the woman with the issue of blood. She came to him in her need. Zacchaeus had a need. He was full of guilt. doesn't say that, but he was racked with guilt. And he had a need. We see Bartimaeus, how he was blind and he wanted to see and he came to Jesus with this need. I want to say to every one of you here this evening, and Paul's already prayed and the guys have led us so well that Whatever your disappointment, whatever your challenge, whatever your trouble is, Jesus sees it. And he does want to bring freedom to it. And Jesus sees the needs of you. You see, the the Bible tells us there's not a sparrow, a bird that falls to the ground that Jesus doesn't know about it. God doesn't know about it. He's interested in every part of our worlds. We may say, surely... God can't be interested in that because all, look at all the trouble that's happening in the world. And all over the weekend, you know, with regards to that terrible event in Paris and all that's happening there and then the fallout of all that. It's just terrible, guys. Wouldn't you all agree? It's just terrible to see the things that are happening and unfolding. That's all God's interested in. He is interested in that. But he also sees your specific individual need. You see, because he carries the heart of a shepherd and the shepherd cares for the sheep. He says in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36 that Jesus saw the crowds and his heart was filled with pity for them because they were worried and helpless. Jesus saw the crowds and he realized that they were without, devoid of any kind of hope. And he had, one version says he had compassion on them. That word compassion is an interesting word because it means to have your intestines you know, yearn and twisted inside of you. You know that thought when we've just, we feel like we're just, have you ever felt like that? It's just something that you're knotted inside, you're just a little bit worked up and a little bit stressed and, and just feeling just the pain of others. That's how Jesus was feeling as he saw the crowds and as he looked over the crowds. If I can say this, he looks over your life today, tonight. You might not be expressing some of the needs that's going on inside of you, but he knows. Jesus knows. I might not know, but Jesus knows. And sometimes we think Jesus doesn't care, even Christian people, because what's happening. But I want to tell you, Jesus cares. And Jesus knows. I don't just see this congregation, but as I look across, the the literally thousands of people who were pouring into Mansfield Town Centre tonight as there was the lights switch on. He saw the crowds. And he sees the needs. And that's why we keep encouraging you to bring people and invite people and get connected with people because he doesn't just see your needs, he sees the needs of the people. I was just having a conversation with Paul and Liz and I haven't asked for permission, but we just happened to say just something at the end of our conversation, Liz. And we just said, I don't know how people get on with outside outside of Jesus. You know, we have Jesus. If you know Jesus tonight, you have Jesus, but you might be here tonight and not know Jesus. And no wonder you're in crisis because I don't know people, how people live their lives. And Jesus sees the crowds. And his heart is stirred with compassion. So what is the answer? Because there is need all around us and there will always be needs all around us. The psalmist says this in Psalm 120 verse 1. I call on the Lord in my distress, in my need. And he answers me. 
You know, when I've been in need, when I've been in trouble, when I've been stressed, when I felt like I don't know what to do, and there's been many times when I felt like that, literally, when I've been very emotional, when I've been very fearful, when I'm not sure what the answers are, the only answer is this. I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. He answers me. And so if you're a believer here, if you're a Christian here tonight, I want to encourage you at the very start of this series to know that he knows your need. And if you're in need this evening, yes, share it with somebody else who's close to you, but the place where we need to go is we need to take it to the Lord in prayer because he sees the needs of our lives. But let's just talk about the needs that you've identified with because one of the needs that you've identified with is loneliness. It's interesting, loneliness is of epidemic proportions. There are many, many people around Mansfield and around this area and around the nation who feel the real pressure and hurt and pain of loneliness. This could could be as a result of a breakdown of marriage. It could be that your family has been fractured, fragmented. It could be as a result of the fact that there are many people today who are into Facebook and WhatsApp and Snapchat and text and Twitter and, shall I mention any more, social media. And there's a lot of connection through via social media, but there's no touch. It's a non-touch environment. And it's interesting, as I've read quite a bit over this, as I've been preparing and studying for this, that... There are social commentators who are saying this is going to increase more and more. Now, I am not saying don't do Facebook and I'm not saying don't do Twitter. I actually do Twitter. I don't do Facebook. And I'm not saying don't do WhatsApp and Snapchat and all those kinds of things. What I am saying, don't put all your eggs in that basket and that's your connection point. And I've got, you know, people who say I've got a thousand friends on Facebook. No, you haven't. You've just got people who are nosy about your life. That's all they're, yeah, there's there's a thousand people who want to know what's going on in your world. That doesn't make them friends. Are you hearing me this evening? Some of them will be friends, but not all of them will be friends. Because I want to say friendship Real friendship is not just about sending a message. Friendship is actually sitting down and having a coffee. Friendship is finding out what's going on in Andy's world. Friendship is trying to help him when he's in difficulty. Or if he needs a, a dig out in somewhere. It may not be in difficulty, but he just needs some help. That's friendship. It's touch. And unfortunately, now more and more people, particularly it's great to see so many young, younger people here this evening. A lot of younger people are going down the route of the social media and not actually getting connected with people. There are more and more young people spend so much time in their bedrooms alone, doing all kinds of things on the computer, and they're getting more and more disconnected from people. And actually, which I'll come on to, loneliness is not just an issue amongst older people. Because... The Office of National Statistics in 2014 reported this. And just stay with me while I, before I give you some answers to this. They, know, they noted that Britain, and they stated that Britain is the lonely, loneliness capital of Europe. Britain is the loneliness capital of Europe. 
And what they were basically saying is, uh, as a result of report that they've done on the how, how thousands of people that they've polled, that British people are less likely to have a strong relationship, to have strong relationships, or even know their neighbours. Let me do a poll this evening. I wonder how many of you would say you really know your neighbours really well. Just raise your hand where you are. You know them really well. This is interesting. It's interesting. Because there's many of you, and it's not to bring criticism to you. It's really not. Please hear me out here. It's not to make anybody feel bad. But it's just the world in which we live. You may say, well, I've tried, but they don't want to know. That's part of the problem. And I get that. That's part of the problem. Because we have this kind of attitude now that people live their lives. They go to work. They go out early in the morning. They come back relatively late. And they open the door, particularly when it's nights like this, as the nights have drew in. And they open their door. And they turn their light on. And then they shut their door. And they put the locks on. And they don't want to be interrupted by anybody hearing what I'm talking about. And there's a disconnection. And people feel incredibly disconnected. And if that's one of you here tonight, we have some answers for you. But also I want you to carry this to relate this to the people that you are presently connecting with. Because it's interesting that it's not just amongst older people, but it's also amongst younger people. Because in 2010, the Mental Health Foundation found loneliness to be greater amongst young people than the over 55s. Now, sorry, if you're in that over 55, I'm not saying you're old. Please hear me out here. But that's how they categorised it. Young people are more likely to be lonely than the over 55s. And there was a recent poll even further that was done. And the question was this, how often do you feel lonely? And 57%, 57%. Of 18 to 34 year olds said regularly they felt lonely against 35% who were over 55. We have a loneliness epidemic and we are blinkered if we think that this isn't in the church as well. There will be people who are coming in to the church who feel lonely. We sung it again that Jesus gives us a place of belonging. I want to say that one of the beauty of the church is you can come in and you can begin to belong. If you will give of yourself, you can find a family. You can find a place where you are blessed, where you're encouraged, where you feel like you fit. I was on a radio show um, a number of months ago. And on this radio show, they were talking about how people spend vast, obscene amounts of money to follow their football teams. Now, we can understand that with the mighty stags, but not necessarily with the mighty rams. And that's the radio show that I was on, sorry. But in Derby, there was, they were saying about how one man who hadn't got a lot of money, but he actually sold his child's toys to enable him, and he wasn't just tongue-in-cheek, to enable him to buy a ticket to go and see his beloved rams. And we were just debating about this on the radio show for a little while, We came to the conclusion, I was the only Christian represented on this show, we came to the conclusion that people want to belong to something. And for this man, it wasn't just about the team. There was a camaraderie that happened when he was in the stands with others. He felt like he belonged. And people are looking for a sense of belonging. But you can be in a crowd and still feel lonely. So, you know, there's a good crowd here this evening, and that's wonderful. 
But it's possible for you to be here tonight and we've lifted our hands and we've laughed and we've done all that we needed to do. But actually deep inside your heart, you feel incredibly isolated, abandoned and alone. And loneliness is a massive issue. There are some reasons why people are lonely. It could have been because of abuse, past abuse or rejection. It could be that they are unable to fit in. It could be that they have a broken heart. It could be that they have a bias towards being an introvert. Some people are like that. They can't get out of themselves. feel so shy. Others, a sense of betrayal. They've given themselves away and it was abused and they feel betrayed. And still others, a sense of pride. That was an interesting one for me, the pride, because I thought pride. But as I began to identify with it, because the reality is people will let you down. You do know that. You do know that, don't you? People will let you down. And in the context of church, there will be people who will let you down. They won't mean to. It's just how it is. But very often, we allow ourselves to be filled with bitterness and hurt and pain towards others. And instead of then taking that bitterness and pain And bringing it and presenting it to Jesus. And then endeavouring to build a bridge to that person. We live with a sense of pride. Well I haven't done anything wrong. It wasn't my fault. If anybody's been in a context of marriage and relationships. The reality is I might look like the perfect husband. But I'm not. Okay. And the reality is Caroline might look like the perfect wife, but she's not. And there are times when I get it wrong. Of course, Caroline never gets it wrong, but I get it wrong. And we come to the point where I feel strongly about something and she feels strongly about something. And we both, she says, you're, a, you're really stubborn. And I say, huh, that's rich coming from you. You're incredibly stubborn. No, you're more stubborn than me. And there's this debate that goes on. And I think reality is in husband and wife teams, Very often we can develop a stubbornness. And what happens is, because of pride, we don't rectify those issues. And I'm joking about it, but actually a lot of marriages have gone down the pan as a result of not talking things through. Or because of pride. Or because we're carrying something in our heart. And then it brings a a breaking of a relationship. Some people are lonely out of choice, as I've mentioned They feel unable to fit in. They choose to live in an isolated way. And if that's you this evening, I want to say it's not God's intention for you to live alone. You might have a bias towards living alone, but I want to tell you living alone won't really help you in any way, shape or form. God's heart is for you to be in community and do life together. Some people are lonely out of fear and insecurity. They allow the insecurity of the past. They allow the insecurity of how someone made them feel and it stops them from entering into a relationship. And I want to encourage you this evening that that is the case. God is the one that you can present your need to. And it may be that you need to talk through some issues with some other people who can help you, but it begins with you recognising that you need to give of yourself to Jesus and you need to say, Jesus, will you please help me? With my fear and my insecurity. I'm amazed how poorly lots of people think about themselves. Paul says, do not think of yourself. The Apostle Paul 
Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. I did a message on this before. I may just try and do something like that in 2016. Because I think one of the issues around the congregation here is that you don't think of yourself highly enough. We always think everybody's better than us. We always think somebody's smarter than us. Everybody's better looking than us. Everybody's got it all together more than us. And we live out of comparison and that's not how we should live our lives. And what I want to do as one of the pastors here and and just with, with a pastoral heart is to continue to lift you guys. You're quiet tonight, but to lift you guys for, for me to say and for you to hear like the, the voice of God that I love you, that I think you're amazing, there's more to come from you. But very often we think to ourselves, oh no, we can't think of ourselves highly. And the Bible does not say that. It says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. What it is saying is think of yourself highly, but not more highly. In other words, don't get a big head, but live with confidence. Are you hearing me this evening? We need to live with a God confidence. We need to live with a sense that God is on our side. That God goes with us. That God is for me. That God loves me. That God's favour wants to rain down upon me. Are you hearing me this evening? And not with some of the rubbish that's been spoken over our lives. And over this town, again, I can't help myself, but I always feel when I get like this, just even though we're in this room, a prophetic declaration over the town. There's people who are still deriding this town. And speak ill of it and speak bad of it. And some of them are high political figures. Can anything good come from this area? I want to say this area is amazing. This area is full of prosperity. This area is full of creativity. There are some wonderfully warm, generous, intelligent people that live around Mansfield and beyond. That's what I believe. And I believe God wants to do something amazing in this town for the glory of his name. And we want to lift the town, not bring the town down. And if you feel like you're living out of insecurity, I want to encourage you to just surrender that to him tonight. There are also some people who are lonely because of bad character, poor qualities. Let's be honest now, we can all think our mind can go to somebody who we've had contact with. And as we've got to know them, the less we've wanted to be with them. I mean, let's be honest, who wants to spend time with a swindler and with a cheat? Who wants to spend time with those who are selfish and live out of a selfishness? So there are some people here tonight, and you may be lonely because of poor character and bad character and poor qualities. If that's you this evening, without any sense of judgment over your life, I want to encourage you again to come before Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't want to live out of a selfishness. He doesn't want to be cheated. He doesn't want to be a, as to be a swindler. He doesn't want us to be always angry. He doesn't want us to be always jealous. He doesn't want us to live with envy. And I see so many people who live like that and then they want our friends. Now if we really want to be people who live for God, we need to surrender ourselves to him, these things to him. But there are other people who have loneliness inflicted upon them. Some people, and I'm thankful that that is not the case. We're not perfect here, but we're certainly on a journey. We certainly identified it. Because some people are lonely because of exclusivity or prejudice or selfishness. In church communities, there should be really nobody other than them taking themselves out of it who feels like that. But yet there are still so many churches that live out of exclusivity, that live out of the prejudice 
Then live out of it. If you fit in, you're in. If you don't, you've gone. And I want to say that is not the language of Arena Church. I still go to some churches and people say, that's my seat. How dare you sit in my seat? That is not going to fill the church. I want to say even at the front, the reason why we sit on the front is because it's easier to get on the stage. That's all there is to it. But I want to say it's not that they sit there. And I know we have a bias to, to go to the same seats because we're creatures of habit. I get that. But there should never have been an occasion where, you know, I'm a new person in. Or sorry, I'm in and this is a new person. And I say, excuse me, that's my seat. I've been sitting here. And yet there are some churches that that's what they live out of. You may say, surely not Christian. I'm telling you, I'm visiting a few of them. And what they're living out of is an exclusivity, a prejudice. Or there's somebody who comes in, and prejudice is a, two, is a two-way thing. Let me just talk about this for a moment, um, because I want to interact with you. I want to keep your attention and get away from this, this jolly, <laughs> dripping, you know, it talks about a nagging wife, doesn't it? It's like a dripping tap. But anyway, we won't go there. We won't go there. There's no nagging wives here. Amen, ladies. Amen, ladies. There's no nagging wives here. You're all blessed and well, we're certainly blessed as us fellas. But prejudice, prejudice operates in two particular areas. It's interesting that some people can certainly have a prejudice towards poorer people. I'm just laying, again, something in because Arena Church is for everybody. If you've not got much, you're dead welcome here. We love you. And if you don't know how to dress properly, as in, the highest fashion, you're very welcome here. Equally, there are some churches who carry a prejudice towards wealthy people. And I've had to address this even in Ilkeston. Because there were comments that we were making when we were having, starting, God began to do something amongst us and there was people who had a bit more about them were coming in and they were coming in with the nice cars and there were comments being made. I want to say that's a prejudice. Because they were judging those people with a BMW. They were judging people, you know, with their car. They were judging people. That's what they were doing. And we must make sure here at Arena that we never have any prejudice towards anybody. In fact, I don't give a rip whether you turned up on a push bike or whether you turned up in a Bentley. I don't give a stuff. Are you here? I just don't give a stuff. I'm happy, I'm comfortable with somebody who's dead wealthy, and I'm comfortable with somebody who's got nothing. I'm comfortable with somebody who's got PhDs and FEDs and whatever coming out of their ear holes with somebody who's never finished the school. Hello? Are you hearing me? This is really important stuff because we don't live with prejudice. And some people are lonely because they feel prejudice. And they feel the exclusivity. We must make sure over this Christmas period that we're on the lookout. Not, and we don't just connect with those people who we're comfortable with. Yeah. Oh, well, they look a little bit like me. So I'll connect with those. No, we can't live like that. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Yeah. We, can't, we cannot live like that. We need to be living out of a sense of we just want to be open and just embrace people. We do that with wisdom, with caution, with care. I understand that. And there's a lot of issues around that in this world. But we just... Engage people wherever they are. Are you hearing me this evening? So we must make sure that we don't ever come to the point where Arena Church carries an exclusivity towards people. Because God's heart is for everyone, everywhere, to be connected in a family. I'll say that again. God's heart is for everyone, everywhere, to be connected 
in a family. How do I know that? Well, let me take you to Psalm 68 and verse 6. If you've got your Bibles, just turn to it for a moment, if you will. It's just one verse that I want to read. And this is what he says in Psalm 68, verse 6. And many of you will know it have been around church. You won't know where it is, but you'll know it as soon as I say it. Because God announces that he places the lonely in families. God places the lonely. God places those who feel alone, who feel isolated, and places them in families. I love what another version says. It says, God provides a home for the homeless. We automatically think, oh, it's somebody who hasn't got a roof over their head. But actually, it could be somewhere where somebody doesn't feel connected. And God provides a home. And I want Arena Church in Mansfield to be that kind of home for, for homeless people. I want it to be a place where people who haven't got relationships can get connected. I want it to be a place where people feel lonely and now they feel part of a family because we're a family of love of care of kindness we want to be a family that encourages and affirms and we also want it to be a safe family and that's why we put measures and checks in place that are necessary to make sure everybody is safe within this family that is why we're at pains to say when the kids go out all our all our leaders are protected child protected they've all gone through the checks because we want to make sure at every level there's safety I love what our manager over in Ilkeston, our housing manager, said recently on a weekly news. And just to give you context, Debbie um, mentions in there that she came from a very colourful, very dysfunctional background. Not highly educated, and yet she's highly intelligent. It's interesting, just because you may not have an education doesn't mean you're daft. There are some people who are highly educated, and they're as daft as a brush. But I won't go there. There's others. There's others who haven't highly educated. And yeah, they're as talented as switched on, as sharp as anything. She's very sharp. She's lovely as Debbie. And she says this, I was probably the least likely to be picked for my job I'm currently in. I came unqualified on paper to do what I'm currently doing. And when I joined the church for the longest time, I didn't feel like I fitted in. I talked to her about this. She wasn't that we didn't make a fit in. She just felt like she didn't fit in because everybody, in her words, were normal. And I found it so hard. And I actually used to run away as I felt it that hard. And I didn't feel at home at all. But she persevered. And she goes on to say, I'm a widow with seven children. And like Lisa, have a colourful past. Nevertheless, picked I was. In this job, I have found my calling. In this church, I have found my home. And I am flying. And we want that more and more. In fact, we, don't want it. we want it all the time. That people... You may feel like you want to run away from here, but you're going to persevere with it because you're going to get connected because we want people to find their calling and we want people to find their church that you can call home. Whilst we was away on holiday, we went to a restaurant called Bob Evans, which is an old American institution. We went for breakfast. It was terrific. And on the wall, he had this caption that we want to treat strangers like friends and friends like family. And my mind immediately went to and I thought, you know what, that's exactly what I want Arena Church to be. I want them for people to be able to come in. You might feel like strangers, but actually you become a friend and those friends to become like family. Because God's heart is for everyone. So in these closing moments, how does that work out? How do we take people from loneliness into a place of connection? In Genesis 2 verse 18... <laughs> God says this, it's not good for man to be alone. So I'll make a helper suitable for him. 
It was never God's intention that we should live alone. Never. And as soon as I see people withdrawing and isolating themselves, I always know that God is not at work. The enemy will always try to divide. The enemy will always try to bring away. It's God's heart for us to come into relationship. Always connect us in relationship. And God's heart is for relationships to exist at all different levels. Marriage, friends, family, work colleagues, sports buddies, whatever. And that is his heart. So how do I translate that into this church here? You might feel lonely. You might feel disconnected. You might have come in like that. You might have been coming to this church for a little while and you still feel like that. I want to say a couple of things. First of all, just very practically. Sunday nights are so important. They really are. The Bible tells us don't forsake the gathering of the meeting, meeting together. And there are some people who would argue, well, actually, we don't need to because the early church was just founded in small groups. And we've talked about this. And this is what they're addressing in the, in the teaching. I'll come on to small groups in a moment. And so they throw out, you know, gathering on events like that. I want to tell you, to you it's so important that we gather on a, our, our thing is on a Sunday night. So important. So important that we give ourselves to it. I want to tell you there's times when I felt like rotten. I felt rotten. I've not probably wanted to come here, but I know this is exactly where I needed to be. You may say, you're the pastor, you should always be on it. Well, I'm not. There's times when I've, you know, I've had a dreadful week, not, things haven't gone how I wanted to go. Me and Caroline might have had a few words, the kids, uh, you know, and you just feel like, well, you know, we, uh, you're all looking blank at me. We all get weeks and days like that. But what I've determined to do is I want to come here because this is a good place to be. Because here I'm encouraged by Julie and by Andy as they get on the stage to just lift my voice before God. And I'm thinking to myself, lift my voice before God. I'll tell you something. No, seriously. I'll, you know, I'm keeping my hands in my pockets for a minute out of stubbornness. You know, say, well, you're the pastor. Yeah, but we all feel like that at times. But I tell you what, if I'll, if I'll do what I'm told and I'll lift my hands and lift my voice, something begins to lift. Are you hearing, hearing me this evening? Something begins to, as Paul encourages me to, come on, let's pray for freedom. And then I open my heart, yeah, I'm going to believe and I'm going to bring that stuff, that disappointment before the Lord. Because I was as disappointed as him and my heart was heavy when I came in. It's even heavier as it's just dripping down here. It's like a water fountain as you just put it up there. You could have a drink. In, no, we won't want to do that. Um, and your heart can be filled with disappointment, but as he encourages me on a Sunday night to just lift my disappointment before the Lord, and as I do it, something begins to lift. There's a power in us gathering together, connected together, shoulder to shoulder, lifting our voices. My voice still isn't great after this operation. I can hardly hear the high notes, so it's good that nobody was around me. But as I lift my voice before the Lord, something happens together, corporately together, we do it together. But then let me say there's another important thing as well, and that's small groups. Because this allows us to go deeper. Small groups allow us to go deeper. We're allowed to just connect. We find out when the birthdays are and we have a birthday cake together and just have some fun. We go out and do temping bowling. We go out and do those kinds of things. Just that connection at a much smaller level. If you say, well, I'm not into those small groups. I don't, really, I don't think I need those small groups, really. I think every one of us needs to be in a smaller group. Whatever that looks like, I think every one of us needs to be in a more intimate group because it's impossible as we grow, we'll, we'll cause there to be a limit on this church here if we do not see people connected in smaller groups. Now on that point, you're carrying a burden to get involved in that, then you need to speak to Paul and this because we need more leaders here. We need to see more leaders come forward. We need to see people who say, 
Well, actually, I'm as shy as anything. Yeah, but you carry a heart for people and step out of your comfort and go and talk to them and get involved. Well, everything's not lining up and it's another night. No, don't think of it like that. This is going to be a great night. We're going to give of ourselves to it for the building of God's house and God's church. For others, you may say, well, I couldn't lead one, but I wouldn't mind being involved in one. Well, I'd encourage you to talk with them. Talk with Philip and Zelia, part of the small group program. Because we need to be in small groups. We need to see people connected here on a Sunday night. This is, will help us to alleviate all loneliness from our lives. But we need to engage in those relationships around five things. I'll be very quick. Number one, if we're going to make relationships work, we must give ourselves away in trust and safety. I know you're not going to be blurting out all your life issues But if you just enter into a relationship and you never give yourself away, all it does is it becomes cold and insincere. But if we're going to really enter into relationships to alleviate loneliness, we've got to give ourselves away. We've got to be honest. Secondly, we have to live with compromise. Really? Compromise? Yeah, because all relationships are about give and take. I bet you can't imagine this about me, but I do like my own way. Yeah. I do like, I could, Liz, I could stamp my feet and, you know, as a kid and, and my mum just used to leave me on the floor just stamping and banging my head and it's just, and thankfully they've had to bring discipline to me because otherwise I'd have gone through life stamping my feet. In fact, there's some older people of course, none of them are here. They're all in Ilkeston. But they're, they're, just, they're just stamping their feet and they want their own way. Listen, some people go through life like that. That's not a way to build relationships. You will never build a healthy marriage like that. You'll never build healthy relationships like that. Relationship is all about giving and taking. Giving yourself away. Compromising. We also have to go with our eyes wide open. What do I mean by that? Well... None of us are perfect. You might think that Julie Turner, she's so lovely. She's angelic. She's, oh, she's wonderful. Oh, if only I could be like Julie. I'd love to get to know Julie a little bit more. And Oh, it'd be wonderful. And we can enter relationships like that. And then when Julie does something wrong, we're completely wrecked. We must enter relationships knowing that none of us are perfect. As soon as you put Liz on a pedestal as small group leaders I'm telling you they're in for a rocky time and the other people are as well and by the way if you think you're going to put me on a pedestal I don't think any of you are actually but if you are going to, we're in for a rocky time because I am not perfect I've said to you before I will always seek to do the right thing but I won't always get it right my heart's pure but it won't always manifest itself in the right actions and right words so we have to go into relationships recognizing that no, none of us are perfect and we have to go in with our eyes wide open. Fourthly, we need to live with kindness and gentleness. I want to take you a verse, to a few verses. Colossians 3. We're really nearly at the end. Colossians 3 and it says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. And bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive, as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, 
which binds them all together in perfect unity. This love is the glue that keeps it all together. But we're instructed, we're exhorted, we're challenged to live with compassion, with kindness, with humility and with gentleness. And also, if we want to have and build great relationships that alleviate that loneliness, we need to live out of forgiveness. I can't underline this enough, but we have to forgive quickly. The times when I've been involved in marriage contexts, trying to fix some issues in people's marriages. And of course, I'll say to people all the time, listen, when they come, this is your problem. This is your problem. I will try and help you with your problem, but it will not become my problem. It is your problem. Because there can be transfer of problem. But very often when I get to the root of it, particularly in the context of marriage, there may be some things that have gone on, but usually, more often than not, it's around this area of forgiveness. That there's been things that have gone on and it's fractured. And I honestly believe that in the same in my home life, what's enabled me and Caroline not to have a perfect marriage, but to have a marriage that works. I mean, 23 years, I know I don't look old enough. I know I don't look old enough. 23 years we've been married. And, um, and we're going to go for another 23 by God's grace. And we do that because we have to forgive quickly. But so in the natural, so in the spiritual. What makes Arena Church work here is because we're going to forgive quickly. So, Claire, if I offend you, you're going to forgive me quickly. And no, he he didn't mean that. You're going to come and talk to me. And, you know, if Anne upsets me, I'm going to come to Anne and say, Anne, you upset me. And we're going to do it in a right way. And we're going to forgive quickly. And we're not going to harbor things. Because, again, churches have been divided by the round down the middle because of unforgiveness. And people become fractured and people take sides. And Listen to me, that's not how we're going to live here. We don't want anybody feeling lonely. We want people building great relationships. I wonder if we'd bow our heads for a moment. Is that good? Yes. Is that helpful? Yeah.